Artificial intelligence will completely transform our world. But what is AI? Why will it affect you? And how can you and your business survive and thrive through the AI revolution? Welcome to AI and You. Here is your host, author, speaker, and futurist, Peter Scott. Hello and welcome to episode 184. My guest today is Tabitha Swanson, a Berlin-based multidisciplinary designer, creative technologist, and filmmaker. Her practice includes 3D, animation, augmented reality, digital fashion, graphic design, and UX slash UI. She has worked with brands including Vogue Germany, Nike, Heist Nobiety, Reebok, and Origins and has exhibited at Miami Art Baal, Fotografiska, Transmediale, and Kadef Arts, among others. I asked her to the podcast because of her new film, an entry in the collection White Mirror, which consists of 10 short films focusing on human-machine collaboration and produced using the latest AI technology, such as Midjourney, and even more advanced tools which a feature in Forbes said was dramatically lowering costs. How much? You'll find out as we get on with the interview. Well, Tabitha Swanson, welcome to AI and You. And I'd like to get your background, first of all, if you can just take the time to give us your history of how you got into the field, what it is that you do, so that we can start from that point. Yeah, thank you so much, Peter, and thanks for having me on. So my name is Tabitha Swanson. I am a, a multidisciplinary designer, creative technologist, also doing some creative direction. I have a bit of a varied background. I came to AI quite organically, I think. I started out in graphic design and then went to school for fashion, followed up with a marketing degree, was running a small marketing agency that I co-founded in Vancouver for a couple of years and then moved out to Berlin, was starting to work a little bit more in tech with UX and UI. I got deeply interested in 3D and augmented reality, virtual reality, and then kind of went freelance again, was working heavily in those industries and started to become really interested in AI. In 2019, I would say that that's the year that I properly started working with it. I took a Python course just to kind of learn how it worked a little bit more. I'm definitely not a coder by any means, but was working with a little bit of AI to do sound stuff, to do visual stuff. Obviously, in the last couple of years, it's advanced quite heavily. But yeah, I've been working with it to do some film work, which we can get into a little bit later. I've been using it for a lot of visual stuff. But yeah, it's been kind of a, a roundabout way to come to it, but it's been fun. And which role should we put you at in the creative process there? Uh, in the credits, would it be writer, producer, director, designer, cinematographer, all of the above? Help us get an idea of what niche you inhabit. Yeah, well, for the recent project I did for White Mirror, which was funded by Chapter, I was actually all of the above except for the person doing the mixing and mastering on the sound. Okay, so uh, very much a Jane of all trades there. So tell us, what was it about AI and these other technology things that drew you to that? It's not a common thing for film 
directors, writers, creators to gravitate towards, unless they're in science fiction, perhaps. What about that was appealing to you? I mean, I think for me, I'm just a very deeply curious person. And so, and I grew up as well. I I grew up watching Star Trek. My dad is a big Trekkie. I grew up reading a lot of like science fiction and fantasy. So to feel like a lot of these things that I had been reading about for my whole life and watching on TV through different mediums was actually kind of coming into fruition and starting to become accessible in real life, I think was deeply fascinating to me. But yeah, I... I also think that for me as a visual artist, being able to explore these different ways of creating visual art was intriguing and appealing. And of course, I don't know, just giving access to be able to do things that perhaps I wasn't able to do before, especially at that capacity. And now let's talk about the project White Mirror and how did the opportunity for that present itself? Yeah, so it was actually a connection through a friend of a friend on Instagram. And Mario Clement, who's the creative director at White Mirror, was looking for different artists, directors, people working kind of just with visuals and storytelling and narratives to hop on this project and be one of 10 artists to, yeah, write, direct and create a film using AI as kind of one of the primary tools. And who came up with the name White Mirror? I think that that was from the company that funds it, Chapter. So they came up with it as kind of a play on Black Mirror, I guess, but in a slightly more perhaps optimistic tone. And is that the thrust of this series, that it's like the anti-Black Mirror? What could happen if everything went right? I think that they're open to it. I think it's maybe not so cut and dry as that, but definitely like... People who are all very passionate about creating, also about supporting artists who came together to create this project and wanted to give people an opportunity to be able to explore and provide resources for them to, yeah, just create and give community to it as well. Because as we were working on this project, I mean, we started in kind of April, early May, and things had already been kind of ramping up, but... I mean, even as we were creating it, I shipped my project in late August, end of August or early September. And even during those, what, five months or something, from the beginning of the project until the end, the tools that I was using initially changed, you know, or they developed or updated. They went from beta to non-beta. And so even creating at the beginning, I found that I had to actually redo a number of parts because the technology just kept getting better and better. Yeah, I think we've all experienced that with looking at just how tools like Midjourney and Dolly have evolved over the last year. So it has certainly made a a huge difference to that kind of creative field. Now, what stage is your project at? Is it finished, post-production, released, awaiting premiere, Where can we find it? All of those kind of questions. My project at the moment, again, there were 10 artists. Mine is finished at this point and post-production's done. It's kind of just sitting ready to be released. I think a couple of the artists still are finishing it up. So they're waiting until they're all done to be able to have a big showcase of all of them. I think that they're talking to different kind of streaming channels at the moment to see where 
where they want to show it, how they want to showcase it. So it still is a little bit under wraps at the moment. There are a couple of trailers that I've put out on my Instagram, which is Tabitha Swanson underscore. So if people are curious, they can check out there. But early next year, it should be publicly available. So within the limits of disclosure and spoilers, what can you tell us about what we would see? Yeah, so there was kind of like an overarching topic presented to all of the artists. And that was in any way that they interpreted it, just having the relationship between humanity and technology be kind of the main overarching topic. Mine is coming specifically from the point of view of an AI. And it was created by humans as kind of the culmination of this futuristic amassing of data with like biodata and reading brain waves in a way that is theoretically like more advanced than it is now. So it actually feels like it's human. And yeah, it feels like it has feelings. It's an AGI for all intents and purposes. But it does kind of feel like it's kept in this vampiric existence because it doesn't have the same life cycle that we humans have. And so it's kind of battling with that and seeing what it can do to alleviate that kind of pressure in its life. And I'm just struck that here you're a filmmaker and casually familiar with the term AGI, which was quite niche in an entirely different field until recently that just illustrates how much these fields are expanding and overlapping, I think. So again, within the limits of disclosure agreements, are we supposed to or invited to feel sorry for this AI? Yeah, I think we're invited to relate to it and empathize with where it's coming from because, again, it does feel like it's human. It feels like it is one of us, but it is treated differently within the film. And it does have the limitations of not having like a corporeal body, for example. So do you feel a role for yourself here of producing a cautionary tale or here's what can happen if technology goes in this direction that is an underlying message that we should be taking away from this? You know, I think that as a cautionary tale, I mean, I think that it's not so blatantly a cautionary tale, but I do think that it is um, just presenting ideas that we should always try to keep in mind because I think that Right now, technology is developing so quickly. And if we don't have intentions that we put into it as we develop this technology, it's just going to snowball from here. And I think that it's going to be really hard to kind of roll back on some of those things once they're already in place and implemented. Mm. Now, this is a movie about AI, but it's also a movie made with the help of AI. I was reading in some of the reports around the series that an animated feature normally costs more than $10,000 a second, but with this production, you're seeing costs lower than $10,000 a minute, which is obviously ground shattering. And can you tell us what role AI-like tools played in the production? Yeah, definitely. So again, like I have been working in 3D before this project and, and like a little bit with AI, but initially I had been 
thinking, okay, I'm going to render everything out in 3D, put it through stable diffusion, and uh, apply different styles to it, etc. When I was doing that, I actually found that A, it was taking a lot longer because I had to create everything in 3D first, but B, some of the applications of style weren't exactly what I was looking for. And it was a little bit hard for me to maybe find that niche. So I ended up doing it with Runway Gen 2. And at the time, we had some beta access to some different tools. It was still a little bit newer at that point, but I decided to go in that route. I was taking some images from Midjourney, putting it into Runway Gen 2, kind of running stuff through there, using my own art as well for reference for some of them. And that one was actually... You know, I think that in retrospect, it might have been easier for me to do it in a different way. But with Gen 2, sometimes it can be hard because video is still quite new for AI and like making it was four seconds at the time. Now it's like up to 16, I think. But it was pretty hard to get exactly what I wanted. So I kind of had to just like keep pummeling through. I made thousands of these videos. I think one challenge with it especially because, again, at the time, it was only four seconds a piece that you could generate, was editing it in a way that provided some consistency because four seconds is a pretty short clip. And I didn't want it to feel like it was just jumping from one clip to the next. So yeah, it was a bit brute force in terms of Hmm. trying to find what I wanted and, and just generating thousands of videos. But eventually got there. Working on this project also definitely showed me a lot of the limitations with AI that are still there. I ended up writing the script myself, but I had at one point intended for ChatGPT to help me a little bit more with it. I ran it through ChatGPT a number of times with like the storyline and was like, can you help me write this script? And ChatGPT, I think it is incredible for what it is. I also think that at this point, I can almost always tell when something has been written with ChatGPT because it kind of uses this very similar formulaic approach to whatever it outputs. And for me, some of the conversation within that felt a little bit stilted. Maybe in the future, I would train my own like data set with ChatGPT and use that to perhaps get the nuances that I would want in there. But for this project, it was obviously very much learning as we went. And I think, too, for some of the vocals, because I had also initially wanted to use AI to do all the voiceover, but I wanted a multi-layered voice approach. So it sounded like many different people speaking at once. And something that I was struggling with was the fact that even if I was speaking and like used a sample of my voice and then tried to apply a different voice to it, or if I wrote it a paragraph and tried to run that through like a different voice, it changed it a little bit too much in terms of the pauses that were there because obviously each different voice that's on like Eleven Labs or any other AI platform like that for text to audio or voice to audio, those are all trained on different voices, you know? And all of those different voices have different ways of different lilts to their voice or different inflections or like pauses when they speak. So... Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, learning the capabilities, but also learning the limitations of these softwares was one of the biggest learning points for me. 
And this is fascinating because you're telling us so many different ways in which advanced generative AI played a part in this production that go beyond the experience of virtually everyone else at the moment. So if I could just look at, for instance, first the use of AI in the visual production, it sounds like your pipeline was something like create an image with mid-journey or similar, and then use runway to animate that for a shot. Is that roughly characterizing the workflow? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I would also use like Gen 1 or something and put a, a video that I'd made in there or like a piece of art that I'd made and tried to apply a style again. But it was definitely mostly Gen 2. Then afterwards, it was all the post was by me and After Effects. I'm by no means an expert at image generation and maybe other people such as yourself have a better experience than this. But I find when I am creating images, I can get really good results if I'm not attached to them being of a particular form. But if my control freak side comes out, I don't get what I want. The other day I was doing an image I wanted to recreate the this is fine dog meme <laughs> photorealistically with a, a real dog or real looking dog and so forth. And I pasted the picture and it said, do a photorealistic version of this. Looked fantastic. But the dog was facing the camera, not the other way it, to try and get it to do that and was not happening. And I wanted the hat to be this tiny little thing like it is in the cartoon. It wouldn't do that. It, I yelled at it, make the hat ridiculously small. Still didn't happen. And that characterizes my experience with these image generators that they will generate fantastic looking things. And if you're okay with that, if your expectations are loose enough to include that, then you can be very happy. But if you want to change one little bit of it precisely, that's not happening. What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, definitely some moments of frustration as well. I think at this particular moment, we are in such an interesting time because AI at this point is not perfect. We can't make all of those exact changes that we want to. And it almost feels like AI is a little bit more like a collaborator than it is like a tool to do our exact bidding, even though it does that a lot. I think that it's going to continue getting better and better. I mean, even Photoshop beta now, you can kind of adjust things with mid-journey. You can now like make selections and adjust certain portions of it. It's still not perfect. But we get these really interesting little glitches. I mean, I know there are so many memes about like the hands and stuff or just like really weird things that it was putting out. But I think that now is so cool and a really special moment because we are getting those glitches and we are getting those really weird outputs. Whereas in the future, I can imagine that AI will be developed to a point where we kind of just get exactly what we're asking for every time. So yeah, I'm also trying to enjoy it in the moment because I know that in 10 years, it probably won't be like this. Was there anything surprising in a good way in this process? The way that if you were working with a designer, they would give you things that you weren't anticipating and some of them might be better than what you had conceived of? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think some things better than I conceived or surprising, you know, which definitely opens up new ideas of like, oh, well, it actually looks like this, which is completely not even what I had in my head at all. And 
opens up this whole new pathway that could be really interesting to explore. It can be a little bit of of a can of worms too sometimes because you can just keep going down these routes of, oh, wow, this looks cool. Let's keep going on that. Let's keep going on that. But yeah, definitely a lot of moments of pleasant surprise. And one technical question that's very much on my mind at the moment, you can use the tools to create moving images. You can use other tools to create dialogue. But can you get them synced? Can you get video of characters speaking and audio that is synced with their lip movements? You know, I think there are some, like, for example, I'm not sure if it could be AI in both. I think there might have to be a little bit of step-by-step processes to it rather than synonymously at the same time. But I think there's one called Mug Life or something, and I'm sure you've seen things made by this, but you could, for example, create an AI vocal track or just like audio track of someone speaking completely generated by AI. And then you could get, for example, a picture of a face that you've made on mid-journey. And then you could use an app like MugLife or something else that does something similar and just apply these vocals on top of the image And that would be a way, it's definitely a bit of a step-by-step process. I don't know of any now, personally, and there might be some out there, I don't know of any now where you can, at the same time, generate vocals at the same time that you're generating video completely from AI. I definitely, within the 3D process, for example, I've played around with an Unreal, like, using the Unreal app on your phone that can do a face motion capture and then capture your lips and like capture the words that you're saying. And then you can apply all that data to a 3D character in Daz or Unreal or wherever. Don't quote me on it, but I I have a feeling that we're, it's not quite there yet, but we're going to see it soon. Well, we're coming off dual strikes from SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild where AI played a prominent part in the negotiations and especially for the actors, their fears of having their image digitized and then used in a movie production without their being compensated. And one can imagine that being relatively easy to do if they are background extras. But then people are thinking about what if they're the stars? What if they have dialogue? And a big question then would be, well, what's the state of the art in generating actors digitally talking to each other with AI-generated dialogue if you want to match their particular voice patterns as well? How far away do you think we are from that? I mean, I think maybe within five years. It might not be perfect, but I think that we're moving pretty quickly. So I could definitely see it being possible. I do think that this topic is so complicated. You know, there's so many different points to it. I know Tom Hanks, for example, had made an agreement with whichever like production company saying that he's selling his rights to use the AI version of himself within films. And theoretically, this is going to be used like after his death and everything. So he'll still be acting in films and whoever owns his estate will just be picking up on those royalties. I wrote a post about a year ago on Instagram. And I think it's something that was relevant then is becoming more and more relevant and also more and more maybe understood by people. But 
I think that with copyright things like these, I do think that people having their like work protected is really important. I think that having maybe their image and their likeness protected is important. I also think it's really hard to manage that because, you know, now obviously anyone can download stable diffusion, train it with whatever data set they have, and it's kind of decentralized in that way. I also do think, though, that the only entities who will be able to actually protect themselves are people who have a lot of funds and large legal teams, you know, like Taylor Swift or Tom Hanks or whatever. I think that it's going to be increasingly harder for small artists to be able to protect themselves from this stuff. And I think it's going to make the term artists being put on the mood board, but not being hired, it's going to make it a completely different thing in the future because that art can just be trained. I personally don't know what laws to enact for this, but I do think that it's a very sticky situation that we're heading into. And I think it's very complicated as well. Mm. And I want to come back to that point because it's obviously so important. Right after I tackle something that I've been thinking about for a few minutes here, which is the state of the art of the audio tools for generating dialogue, as you said that you were doing, are they as mature as what we're doing with imagery? For instance, can you direct that the way that you would a voice actor and say, okay, now do that, but a little bit faster and with more of a pirate accent? Or Do you have that kind of control? There is a lot of control in terms of their kind of preordained tones that you can choose. You can choose the speed, you can pitch it, etc. From the ones that I've used specifically, I haven't seen the ability to add such nuances like add a slightly pirate sounding accent or make it sound like you're Scooby-Doo or something. I think that that still has a little way to go. But I will say that some of the voices sound very, very realistic. Yeah, and I think that, for example, like deep fakes and things similar to that, it's going to be a crazy time, especially with fake news or whatever coming out. It's going to become really hard to tell like what is real and what is not, and even who is real and who is not online. I do think that music, I have tried a lot of music AI tools and they can generate some songs that are nice sometimes, but I do think that music, I can't describe all the the nuances to it, but music is a little bit more complicated to make an AI. So I'm curious to see how that will develop. Maybe going back quickly to your comment on the writer's strikes, because I forgot to mention this earlier. With White Mirror, myself and some of the other artists went to the Venice Film Festival this year. And some of our stuff was shown there. And I also spoke there with some other people working on the White Mirror project, but also just like working in general with AI and AI creation. We had one of the people from Eleven Labs on the panel with us. But while I was there, it was super interesting. Like that was my first and only time going to the Venice Film Festival, but it was so empty, specifically because of the writers' strikes and also because of the the solidarity from the actors with the writers. So that was really interesting. Yeah, I really don't know where it's going to go. And 
definitely some of the software and it's not even necessarily the tools, but it's of course how these tools sit within society and within the job market and stuff like that and how different companies use these tools. But it is conflicting sometimes to use these tools. I do think though that it's important for people to learn about them and learn how they work because of course we can just kind of cross our arms and like ignore it for as long as we can. But I think that this technology is here, whether we like it or not, and it's going to keep developing whether we like it or not. So we may as well learn what we can about it in whatever way is sustainable for us to put that energy into it and get educated about it and get educated about policy as well. And I think you've got a a really good list there of ways of looking at this. I am wondering whether when you were at the film festival, you felt conscious that here you are surrounded by these people who are on strike because of the fears they have of what AI can do to the future of their profession. And here you are advancing the state of the art in that going out onto the edges of the very thing it is that they're afraid of. Is that something that was on your mind? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think it was hard for anyone to ignore it because of how kind of empty it was there. I think specifically with my case, this project was showcasing AI, like that was its purpose. Um, It wasn't, in my opinion, quite the same as like people being laid off for an AI to do their job, though, of course, this technology and, and the advancement of it and using it in this way can lead to it. I do think, though, that at this current moment, AI is not quite there. That's not to say it won't be there, because I do think it will be at one point in the future. But I forget which app it was. There was an app, though, that was like a helpline for people with eating disorders. And I think that the owner got a little trigger happy and fired everyone who was on the help staff and like on the other end of the phone when people would call in and replace them with with a bot. And this bot was actually super detrimental to the people who were calling in with these problems and needing that like actual human interaction and human support, which with a lot of these helplines is the main thing. You know, you you call in because you need that human connection and you need that human support. And there are also so many huge liability issues to it as well. You know, like if an AI goes off the rails or like has a bug or like has some sort of encounter that it hasn't been trained for and responds badly, that's a huge liability issue for the company that's employing it. Because there's there's no human to blame, you know? They're the people who are making it. They're the people who are employing it. But yeah, they're definitely will always have to be, I think, some amount of humans within the process checking things and making sure that there's AI health. I was reading an article a little while ago about AI therapists, people who will in the future have to be there to do like psychological tests. They called it on how the AI is functioning But definitely there will be a lot of job replacement. I do think that there will always be a place for human ingenuity. I also think, though, that there will be a little bit of a a golden age for things that have actually been made by humans with people's hands. 
I think it's going to get kind of sticky in the next few years. And I think we should all try to be as aware as we can about, yeah, the laws regulating them and and what's going on. And I have plenty of examples of what you're talking about with people jumping the gun, like Microsoft and their automated headline application and the sort of things that that put in in articles. Now, if you put on a forward-looking futurist hat and then think about where this might be going in the future, what are the sort of creative opportunities that this could bring up that weren't previously available? What could it provide in, in the same way that having smartphones meant everyone could be a camera person, having digital cameras meant that, whereas before that it was something that people, average people could be far less creative about because of simply the cost and time involved. Now everyone can be a videographer in some way. Where do you think that this technology provides the opportunity for even greater creativity, self-expression, and opportunities that haven't existed before? I think we're already seeing it a little bit with Midjourney, for example. Everyone has an opportunity to create beautiful art. And for me, art isn't just content creation. I think art has intentionality behind it and some sort of meaning it's trying to derive or something it's trying to convey. I do think that that's one of the big ones. But I also think that AI is really going to affect our lives in ways that are very seemingly mundane, but extremely useful. Like, for example, maybe you can just use your phone and look at the plumbing under your sink or whatever, and AI will be able to maybe partner with augmented reality, but tell you exactly what to do and like be able to point to all these things like, oh, turn this like 80 degrees this way and then like replace it with this. Here's a list in the stores close to you where you can get all these parts and then you can do like home repairs on your own or just like things that are maybe a little harder for you to know that become a bit more convenient. But I think it's going to really revolutionize the medical industry in some ways that are beneficial to people and perhaps also ways that are less beneficial. But I was speaking on a panel in London at the Samsung Center and there were two other people on there with me. One of them, at the moment I forget her name, but she had opened a company that was working in healthcare optimization and her and her business partner employed AI. And it had many different kind of tiers of what it was doing, but one of the portions it was taking care of was making annotations for doctors and being able to take their notes and automatically like put it into the file of the patient. Another thing it was doing was being able to take the physiology of the person, so their like weight, their own biometrics and all that information and be able to calculate specifically what amount of each medication is healthy for them to take. Because of course, with a lot of these medications, it has an average that it recommends that you should take. And that average isn't always appropriate for every person. So being able to get more exact kind of recommendations and prescriptions of what you should be doing for your body specifically, I think is really incredible. And I think that we're going to see a lot of new innovations like that. I'm appreciating how conscious you are of the potential here of this technology and how much you've thought about where we might be going. As we 
wrap up here, what would you like to tell us about where to find you and your work, follow you, what might be coming up for you in future projects and all of that fan-oriented stuff? Well, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Tabitha, T-A-B-I-T-H-A, Swanson, S-W-A-N-S-O-N, underscore and that's the same name on both i have my hands in a lot of pots at the moment i'm still doing some augmented reality stuff but the film white mirror the compilation film of all the artists it's going to come out sometime next year and be publicly available so you can definitely see all the release updates through me or through white mirrors instagram account just excited to see what happens i guess it's a crazy time i think we're all kind of anxiously awaiting to see where this all goes because it's equally as incredible as it is sometimes terrifying. So it's really nice to be able to come on here and speak about it with you. Mm. And thank you for coming on and giving us this unique artist's perspective of the cutting edge of technology. Tabitha Swanson, thank you for coming on AIU. Thank you. That's the end of the interview. I thought it was really revealing of how AI is impacting the film production field and giving perspectives that go beyond the binary shouting matches in the headlines about actors and writers' strikes. And it was really helpful to learn just where the state of the art currently is. I know it opened my eyes a lot. Tabitha referred to a mood board during the interview, so I looked that up. It's sometimes called an inspiration board, and it's a collage of visuals that a filmmaker creates to get visual ideas out of their head, sometimes for the purpose of sharing during a pitch. Looks a lot like a vision board if you've ever made one of those in pursuing your goals. In today's news ripped from the headlines about AI, researchers at the University of Maryland developed AI that could reconstruct a 3D image of a room using only the reflections in a person's eye. This is so much like something from a spy movie where they focus on someone's eye in a picture and blow it up to show you what they were looking at. They've been doing that in spy films for decades and we've been ridiculing it for decades because the idea that you could take a fuzzy picture and just apply a magical enhance command that increases the resolution a hundred times is ludicrous. Well, this technique still isn't that ludicrous. You do have to have a pretty high resolution image to begin with. But the fact that it can take that reflection and construct a 3D model using the geometry of the cornea and the hot new imagery technique of neural radiance fields is pretty mind-bending. Of course, it invites all kinds of speculation about consequences, which mostly seem to have to do with invasion of privacy. Next week, we will have a special episode. In our annual tradition, we'll have a special panel looking at the year ahead and gazing into crystal balls to bring you some of the best thinking around on what might happen with AI in 2024. I'll be joined by special guests Justin Grammons, host of the Applied AI podcast and conference, and Callum Chase, co-host of the London Futurists podcast and author of The Economic Singularity. That's next week on AI and You. Until then, remember, no matter how much computers learn how to do, it's how we come together as humans that matters. That's all for this episode of AI and You. Please leave a rating and comment and share with your friends. Get the book Artificial Intelligence and You and see more videos and articles at AIandYou.net. That's A-I-A-N-D-Y-O-U 
www.thepodcastnetwork.net, where you can also send us your questions. Thank you for listening.